0: Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby.
1: When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box.
0: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next in uh, the first episode of our NCAA series, we have Barrington Huntley. Very interesting story um, from Barrington, being a former student athlete, growing up playing one sport and then transforming to another sport, um, not having the proper tools that he needed to get to the next level. And just like all the other players and you know coaches in any other situation, there's always a person that, know a person that helps you. All right, well, if a kid, a student-athlete is in that situation and don't have those resources, then they will be left out. But uh, Barrington, the beauty of uh, of Barrington being a student-athlete, he earned his way into a scholarship. Um, He made the sacrifice and he took advantage of his opportunities. So um, the Day Foundation want to create those same opportunities for other kids in the communities as well. Let's listen, hear about um, the great information, how to be a student-athlete and learn a little bit more about Barrington as well. Let's get into the interview. I appreciate your time, man. I know you're busy. I appreciate your time coming on and uh, taking time to do this. I think it's going to be a, um, you know, a, great, uh, a great get for the audience and the, and the prospective student athletes, you know what I'm saying, that that's going to hear this message.
1: Absolutely, man. Really, really excited to to have this opportunity, man. I never done
0: anything like this before, so like awesome. a podcast, so um, it'll be cool, man. Awesome, awesome. So um, before we get into the meat of things, um, you know, like if I go to a you know a Chinese restaurant, I don't want to see Jamaicans in there. If I go to a Jamaican restaurant, I don't want to <laughs> see Chinese people in there. So yep. um, I think with that being said, let's let's let the audience learn a little bit more about you being a former student athlete, um, you know, your trials and tribulations, because then when we get into the meat of things and, and why you do what you do, it kind of all makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so take us back to, um, you know, you know where you're from in, uh, your immediate years and, you know, did you play any rec ball and, you know, take us back to what, what that looked like.
1: Yeah, man. So, uh, you mentioned Jamaican restaurant, I'm Jamaican, half nice. Jamaican, so nice. definitely. Nice. Could, uh, definitely know about that. But yeah, for me, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and, you know, I, I've always been into sports my whole life, like loved, loved, love competing, Loved It was just like a natural fit for me. Um, the sport that I gravitated to earliest was baseball, actually. Nice. Um, and baseball was something I played from the time I was probably seven or eight, um, all the way through high school. Um, but then I got to, you know, around 10th. 10th grade and it wasn't cool anymore sure. you know sure. like so I you know you play football in the neighborhood and you know I, w- I felt like I was doing all right out there and I decided to play football my junior year that was the first time that I had ever put on pads and played organized football gotcha. um, decided to play football my junior year junior year didn't go so well but you know put in some work um between 11th and 12th grade and was able to to really, you know, put myself in a position to get, start getting noticed, you know, my right. senior year um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, still, still I got noticed. I got I got a couple of you know FCS offers, some Division II offers. But you know, you know, when you're in that age, you know, FBS or Division A was what it was called back when I was there. Right. You know, that was what I really had my sights on. Um, and I was fortunate enough to know a coach. Who knew a coach, um, sure. and they, they got me a preferred walk-on at nice. New Mexico State University. So nothing was promised. I went out there a couple years, um, and then after that, I was able to earn a scholarship. And you know, you know, basically playing on special teams a lot. You know, given given some effort there, taking care of stuff in the classroom too helped. For sure, um, as far as because I was going to help. You know, there, you know, if you do well in the classroom, that can help the school um, look good, make sure that they're getting all the scholarships that they mm-hmm. need. Um, doing Handling both of those things, I was able to get a scholarship. And then from there, um, had an amazing time at, at New Mexico State. From there, it took a couple of years off, ended up going to law school at the University of New Mexico.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when I got to the University of New Mexico, um, I knew I wanted to do something that kind of mixed sports, law, you know, regulatory, something in that realm. Um, And working on a college campus was something that, uh, you know, I kind of did some research and was thinking that I would be a good fit for, you know, the fact that I had had the background that I did have, and the opportunity to kind of give back a little bit, you know, and and maybe play a hand in shaping um, the future of, of somebody that, that's coming up was something that was really attractive to me. Awesome. Uh, so I got the opportunity to work in the athletics compliance department at the University of New Mexico while I was in law school. After I graduated, um, had the opportunity to, uh, to work at Georgia Tech in their compliance department and then got an internship at the NCAA back in 2017. And the rest is history. So um, I've been in the role that I'm in now. I've, I've had I've held two different roles in the NCAA. One was more focused on membership, so mm-hmm. you know, on colleges, you know, recruiting, waivers, those kinds of things. Right. And now this role that I've transitioned into um, at the end of 2019 is more focused on the high school realm, just making sure that students, um, and parents, and coaches, and administrators. Are aware of all the, the rules that they need to know to make sure nobody misses out on an opportunity. So, yeah, that's kind of kind of my path. Um, you know, there's, you know, play and with a lot of guys.
0: Yeah, and and, and that's a, that's an amazing story, man. And and that's the reason why I go so hard um, of, of 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 getting the information to to families because you know here it is your pathway to Mexico State led you know led you to a career in what you like to do. You know, mm-hmm. with, without that opportunity of being a student athlete, you know, you know, not saying you wouldn't have been here, but the road might have been a little difficult because, you know, this kind of kind of put you into that path. So the question then before I get into the NCAA, you know, you being a student athlete and and, and I hear these stories every day, man, about I knew someone, that knew somebody. But what if a kid don't know somebody? You know, the information they don't have as far as how to be eligible to be a student athlete. You know, this is crucial information they need to have. And, and coming from, I didn't, I didn't have it. You didn't have it. But I think we had a place now where we can be able to give this information to families. And I think, I think, I think that's awesome. So, um, so, you know, congratulations with your role as well. But, 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 but tell us about, you know, what is the NCAA? what, what, what yeah. is that? What is the entity?
1: So the NCAA is a member-led organization that's really dedicated to the well-being and lifelong success of student-athletes. So the NCAA national office is really made up of all of the colleges uh, mm-hmm. that make it up. So, you know, at the Division one, Division two, and Division three level, all of those colleges make up the NCAA. Um, and we at the national office really support those colleges and some of the things that they agree upon. So at the national office, we really have three main functions. Um, I just touched on one of them. We interpret the rules that that those schools have created. Um, we support, you know, member legislation. That that's going to be one bucket. The next is running all of the NCAA championships. That's another thing uh, that the NCAA national staff does. And then finally, it's managing the various programs that we have that benefit student athletes. So um, that is really those three buckets. That's what gotcha. the national office does, and that and we're really empowered by the universities themselves.
0: So, so how does Barrington Huntley fit into that that equation? So, for me, I um,
1: of those three buckets, I'm more on the legislation side. So. Gotcha. You know, the NCAA school member institutions as they're called so the member colleges they they have created rules about initial eligibility, you know what standard or what things students need to be doing in high school to make sure that they can be eligible to receive their scholarship practice and compete in that first year. Mm -hmm. So what I do is outreach and education in the high school space to make sure that students know
0: those rules. Let's hear about those rules and regulations. Can you can you scri- describe the academic requirements to play in the NCAA? Like, far as you know, and I let you you know touch base on each one of them. As far as you know, GPA, test scores, or uh, sliding scales. What take us take us uh, give us some information on those things and, and the requirements about that.
1: Yeah. So, um, as I kind of touched on, the the NCAA is broken into three divisions: so Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. They all kind of have uh, a little bit different standards, but they have some common components throughout all. And you touched on a couple of them. You know, the core courses is going to be is going to be one of the one of the main components. Mm-hmm. The GPA, the test score, and then the proof of graduation. Those are going to be the main four components for initial eligibility. Um, when we're talking about Division One, um, Division One, they have three tiers of. Quali- of certification. So you can either be certified as a qualifier, an academic redshirt, or a non qualifier.
0: Okay.
1: That first tier qualifier, um, that student is going to have to pass 16 core courses. Yep. And when I'm talking about core courses, I'm talking about the big ones math, science, English, social studies, foreign languages, those types of things. Um, and division one has a couple special rules too that I want to make sure people know about. So those 16 core courses have to be taken throughout high school. 10 of those 16 have to be passed before the start of the senior year. Oh, that's crucial. That's crucial in in division one. So Mm -hmm. 10 of those 16 before the start of the senior year, and then seven of those 10 have to be in the subject of English, math, or science. So that's something um, that, that students want to make sure that they're understanding um, because once you start your senior year it becomes very difficult to change anything that w- that was taken before that Correct. so that's something that students want to be thinking about from the time they jump into to high school
0: in this time message we got jamel president hey what's up guys I just want to chime in right quick in what barrington just said it's very crucial um, having those ten core objectives completed by your senior year. It's crucial, especially if if you're an athlete that's looking to go to the next level. Um, let's say you're a junior and you want to go to school, but you don't have those you don't have those requirements. All because you didn't know about them as a freshman. So take advantage of your information. And take advantage of your opportunities. And those less talented players beat out your opposition through grades right because if institution love a kid the same type talent and one got grades and one doesn't they're gonna go with the kid that got the grade so challenge your opposition beat them out mentally now let's get back to the interview
1: So that's the core course requirement for division one. Then you have the GPA that's going to be the minimum GPA to be certified by the NCAA is a 2.3 GPA. Mm -hmm. And then there's the test score that goes along with that. And you mentioned it a little bit, the sliding scale. So we don't have a minimum, we don't have a set test score that, that you have to have on the ACT or the SAT to be certified, mm-hmm. but it's tied to your GPA. So the lower your GPA, so if you have the minimum GPA we allow in Division One uh, for qualifiers, two point three, mm-hmm. you're going to need a higher test score. Mm. Um, for the SAT, we're talking somewhere, you know, anywhere from nine fifty to eleven hundred, depending depending on how low the GPA is. For mm-hmm. for the ACT, we're talking somewhere in like the seventy five to eighty range for a sum score you know, that's every subject added up together. If you have a higher GPA, then you'll need a, then the, the test score requirement is a lot lower. Right. So if you have like over three, 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 four, three, five, somewhere in there, you know, the test score you might have for the SAT might be as low as in the 400s or 500s, wow. you know? Right. Um, and, and then with the ACT, you know, you're looking around, you know, 40, you know, somewhere in there. So. One thing I tell students is make sure that you're handling what you can from the GPA requirement because that can give you some leeway Mm. when it comes to to taking the test in your junior or senior year. And then the last component for D1 is you have to make sure you graduate high school. So it's that core course, you know, the the 16 core, 10 before the start of their senior year,
0: Mm.
1: at least a 2.3 GPA, and then the corresponding test score and then the proof of graduation. Then the next tier is academic red shirt. Mm.
0: Um,
1: so if you certified as a qualifier, you can receive your scholarship, you can practice and c- can compete in your first year. If you're certified as an academic redshirt, you will be able to receive your scholarship still. Um, and you, can, you, can, you can't practice in that first term, you can earn the right to practice in the second term. But regardless, you will not be able to compete Mm. in your first year of enrollment if you're certified as an academic redshirt individual. Mm. Mm. Um, So it has a a little bit lower standard than the qualifier standard. But again, you will not be able to compete. Um, And the standard there with the same four components is the 16 core. There's no um, time requirement. So it doesn't matter when you take them. So you don't have to have the 10 before you start your senior year. But again, you have that lower standard, you won't be able to compete, you know. And then the GPA requirements a little lower of a 2.0 with a corresponding test score and then graduation. So the next tier is a non qualifier. Mm. This is someone who doesn't meet the qualifier standard or the academic redshirt standard. Um, and unfortunately, a student who certified as a non qualifier will not be eligible to receive a scholarship. They can't practice or compete in their first year of enrollment.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Students who end up in this situation, I would recommend if they're being recruited to be working with the college that's recruiting them because there might be some legitimate reason why they don't meet the standard. You know, there, there could be some mitigation, you know. They had to leave school um, to because their mom had cancer and they were they were taking care of their mom or you know the the daughter had to start working because you know things happen. For sure, you know? for sure. But but making sure that they're working with the school will be important because that school can file um, a waiver uh, mm-hmm. potentially on their behalf to 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 explain those circumstances and maybe get them eligible. So that's my advice for a non-qualifier.
0: Right. And and that's and basically what they're saying, audience, is communication is, is very important. And you, and you, when you what you're saying, right? You take a kid that that's uh you know a junior and he was five, he was six foot, six feet as a freshman. He grew to six three, six four as a junior, but he didn't prepare himself as a freshman. So now you get in a situation where a school wanna recruit him and want to sign him, but he's not prepared. Take us to to and, and I believe in prevention versus treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Take us back in, you know, into the different steps of ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. What students should do coming into high school? What 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 should they do as a ninth grader, tenth grader, eleventh grader, and a twelfth grader when they're trying to uh, apply for eligibility to the NCAA?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I do want to mention though, Division Two rules are a little bit different than That's Division One. I'll just go over those real quick just yes, so sir. students can understand that. Yes, um, division Division two does have, they still, if they only have two tiers, so you have a qualifier or a partial qualifier, mm-hmm. um, they have the 16 core, you have to have at least a 2.2 GPA with the test score and then um, the proof of graduation. If you don't meet that, then you'll be certified as a partial qualifier. There's no Non qualifier for Division Two now. Makes sense. Makes so, um, so that's just something something that I'll note. But, you know, when you talk about some of the things that students should be doing um, throughout their high school career, I think when you're looking at ninth grade, you want to make sure the that if college sports is something that you have in your mind, and you should be doing this anyway, just it, even if it's not something that that you have in your mind, just working with your counselor and mapping out your high school career from an academic perspective will be really beneficial. Um, Making sure that you're taking at least four core courses a year um, and and really making sure that one of those is gonna be English or language arts every single year. That's a a major requirement for division one and division two. So charting charting out your high school academic career is in the ninth grade is something that students should be doing when you get to 10th grade, that's when you want to, you know, you might, you might have a little bit more um, idea about what you want to do. I think that's when you really make the decision, okay, I want to register with the NCAA.
0: Hmm.
1: So if you, every student who wants to play college sports has to register with the NCAA to get certified. So making sure that you go to the eligibilitycenter.org, you know, and making sure that you register, that's going to be the first step Mm-hmm. There's a couple different um, certification account or a couple of different accounts that they can register for. The first is a profile page. That one is free and it's for students who maybe are unsure about if they want to play or maybe they want to play Division three. Um, that that will be something that they can do. The certification account does have a fee. That's that's the one that they would need to be able to play college athletics to be mm-hmm. certified by us. Um, but there are fee waivers available if a student uh, qualifies for free or reduced lunch or is um, someone who also receives a fee waiver for the SAT or the ACT. Mm-hmm. So 10th grade, you want to make sure you register. 11th grade, um, you want to make sure that you're on track from the core course perspective. We talked in Division I, There's, but once your senior year starts, it becomes harder to make up some classes. So making sure that when you're in your junior year, you're meeting that requirement for division one, that's gonna be important. Um, And you also wanna take the SAT or the ACT for the first time. Um, That's when you take that so that, hey, you you know where you are GPA wise, you know where you are test score wise, and then that can set you up in the 12th grade. So 12th grade, you probably wanna just finish up your core courses, make sure you get those 16 in, See if you need to take the test again. Get your GPA up, um, and then um, have your school submit uh, the final transcript to the NCAA. is
0: going to be going to be that final step for sure. Um, talking about amateur, you know, amortism in, in sports. You know, um, that's a tough issue, especially when coming from different sports. Can you can you shed light on that? What that means? and yeah. how it differs between sports?
1: Yeah, so amateurism, um, you know, when you get certified by the NCAA, you have the academic certification. That's kind of what we just went over. Um, but then you have the amateurism component as well. And amateurism, all, you know, all is making sure is that a student athlete hasn't professionalized themselves um, and isn't accepting money to play sports. So, um, It's a series of questions that will be asked when the student registers, you know, they wanna know what teams you've been on, have you signed any professional contracts, that kind of stuff. And I can go ahead and tell you that 94% of students that come through our certification process don't have any issue with amateur. You know, it's a very small percentage um, and a lot of those too are international. You know, they're under a different system over there. Right. You know, uh, you know, with basketball, it can be kind of murky. What's professional? What's not? You right. know, with, with 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 some of the other sports as well. Um, just making sure that they're not accepting any money above actual necessary expenses for their uh, participation in sports. So, if you have an AAU team and you know they are traveling to Seattle from from South Carolina, you know, and there's travel, there's, there's, you know, uh, there's hotel, there's food, all of that stuff associated with that. That's actual and necessary expenses. Anything on top of that would be something that, that would, uh, that could potentially cause an amateurism issue. Um, Something to, something for students to be aware of as they're
0: moving through. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, you know, me being, you know, um, I'll say a facilitator of information to the parents in the community, you know, reading up on how you guys um, just uh, had to stop the recruiting just because of COVID, the pandemic hit, it was a a horrible thing. Um, What requirements um, and flexibility you guys, you know, have put in place to um, to kind of combat that, you know, I, I was reading some some non traditional online courses, homeschooling for students, education impact. Not 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 that, but just what are some requirements? That's that's uh, an flexibility that you have put in place to um, to combat that. Yeah. So
1: um, the major one is going to be the elimination of the test score for students who are going to be graduating this year. Oh, wow. So in two thousand twenty one. So. Anybody enrolling in college um, starting in the fall or starting in the fall of 2021 in that academic year, the test score is not a requirement for their initial eligibility. So they'll have to have those 16 core, the minimum GPA, the proof of graduation, but the test score has been eliminated for this year. And we thought that that was necessary due to just all of the uncertainty around Um, the availability of testing. So some flexibility in that space was something that we thought was necessary. I will say there are still some colleges and scholarship programs, you know, that might require that test score. So um, having student athletes understand those requirements will still be important for them. And then as we move further into the spring, if there's any flexibility that's needed for future classes, mm-hmm. you know, so the flexibility of the test scores for just next year's class, if there's ever for this year's class that's going into next year college, right, right. Which- if, there's ever, if there's ever any flexibility that's needed for, you know, 2022 graduates or, or beyond, um, that's something that that we will make sure that we get out there. I think we've demonstrated the fact that um, if flexibility is needed, we will, you know, we'll offer it. But, you know, I think right now, um, just where we're at in the world, just trying to figure out if that if that's gonna be necessary. The next thing that you mentioned, uh, non-traditional courses. So that was also some flexibility for, for um, this year's seniors as well. Just being able to allow schools there's some flexibility in allowing schools to pick any virtual program that they want to, Hmm. um, regardless of if, if it's approved by the NCAA. So if a district, you know, or a school that is approved by the NCAA chooses a program that is not approved by the NCAA for virtual learning, then it's okay.
0: Gotcha.
1: You know, so, so that, you know, so much has been up in the air, you know. I know, for me, you know, I I have somebody living with me, a thirteen year old, and one week he's he's in virtual, the next week, you know, he's he's uh, he's at home. So you just never know, like like what what's going on. So providing some flexibility there for student for districts and schools to pick a virtual program that worked
0: for them was some flexibility that that we thought was really necessary. Got you, got you, and um another. Uh, topic that I saw on the on the website, and can you just touch briefly on that? And that was um, education uh, impacting um, disabilities. What mm-hmm. what's that program? Can you touch base on that, please? Yeah, so there's
1: going to be students um, that do have education impacting disabilities, and there's always considerations that are given to those types of students. Um, the first and really the major one um, that we've always had is going to be. Um, the ability for them to take in division one, take some more classes after they graduate high school to Mm -hmm. be used in that 16 core. Um, So Mm -hmm. they can take up to three extra classes that can be used in that year after they graduate um, to, to, uh, to be used to their 16 core. Um, They also, there's also accommodations. If there's accommodations that the school is making for them to take a certain class, maybe under, um, sort of the same class, but just administered a little bit differently. You know, right. maybe over more time. Those types of things. Uh, districts can submit documentation um, that would allow the student athlete to do that. So, those are really the big two: um, that plus three requirement um, that that they ha- that they're allowed um, if they are um, suffering from a documented education impacting disability.
0: Got gotcha. you. Got gotcha. you. In this time out message, we got Jamel, President. Hey, what's up guys? I wanna chime in right quick. Um, in our past conversation, I wanna pull some meat off those bones that Barrington was just talking about. Great information about eliminating test scores for fall 2021. That's crucial, right? Um, some of the requirements, that's, you know, most, most kids don't get in, in schools because of scores. Well, here's opportunity, here's a window, all right? That you can get into if you, knew, if you know the information. Also allowing schools to pick virtual programs um, for online courses is another requirement, another some more flexibility that they align to now athletes to get to the next level, but you have to know the information. And then again, if you have, you know, some type of learning disability, some of us, all of us do at some point. All right, use your resources, use avenues to get in with the plus three. Um, taking the extra three classes once you graduate to help you out, that's huge. All right, huge. So take advantage of your opportunities. Now let's get back to the interview. So <clears throat> I'm a young Barrington Huntley in Georgia. <laughs> Listening to this right now, right? I'm an eighth grader or ninth grader. Um, what should I do right now? Right now, um, focus
1: on your academics for sure. Academic, le- academic success is going to lead to opportunities for you. I can tell you firsthand just um, from my time working in compliance offices, talking to coaches about students and how they were recruiting them, if they had a student who was, if they had two students, they're both the same talent.
0: Right.
1: One has their academics in order and one is kind of shaky, they're always going to go towards the one that, that has the academics in order. I think it says something about the person themselves, you know, and you know, just just handling that academic, being able to handle that says something about your dedication, says something about um, you know, what's in between the ears that's something that I would, that's advice that I would give them. Make sure that the academics are good and then really take ownership of your craft. You know, if you say you're a basketball player, then you need to be in the gym, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You know, if you say you're a football player, then you need to be out in the field. You know, these, these are, you know, you you kind of have to go in with with both things in hand, just making sure that the academics are good. But then if this is something that you actually want to do, um, getting in contact with people that maybe have done it, listening to podcasts like this, this will that will be helpful for those students. Um, so really taking care of the academics first, man, and then just focusing focusing on honing your craft um, so, so that you can be a step ahead.
0: And, and, and good point. And I'm gonna um, just mention something that I heard the other day about going to the bank, right? You can't go to the bank and take my money out if you didn't put the money in. So as an athlete, you got to make deposits. Every day you make deposits, work ethic deposits. So in your senior year, you can cash out, right? Absolutely. That's what it's all about.
2: He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s, and now, Jamel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life.
0: So I want to you know give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, I uh, started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well.
2: College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this. While he was in school, so he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation, and its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe Let's
0: go and finish together.
2: Basically teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition and education. Not only SAT-ACT-type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics.
0: In closing, B, we created something called the Oatmeal Recipe. Okay. And, and, and OB recipe, you know, through my 30 year plus years of dealing with athletics, coaching and training, three things that I've, I understand that's very important to an athletic athlete success. And no matter if it's an athlete, just in career, it's education, skill development and nutrition. So individually, I want to bring one of those topics to you and, and get your feedback on how important um those things are those. Those three things are, and how do you apply them? Apply them to your everyday life right now. Let's start with uh, with skill development because I mean, doing your job, you have to have great relationships with, with people and so forth. So, how is skill development very uh, uh, important to you? How do you apply it?
1: Yeah, for me, uh, learning is a lifelong process. You know, you can be sixty five years old, you can be fifteen years old. You should you should be learning. So. Um, for me skill development is really setting some intentional goals you know at the beginning of the year Um, and you know we all have weak spots for me you know right now I'm studying like business you know I've never taken any business classes uh, in my life I was more of a science major than law school and it's like here's this whole other wealth of information out there that I need to know about so Being just genuinely curious, I think, helps with that. Um, And then, you know, attacking it. So just making sure you're always kind of reading something, you're always, you know, listening to a podcast, maybe watching a video about something. Um, That's something that that I that I take to heart for sure. Um, And then even with these roles, I have an amazing communications team um, that I work with, and they're constantly pushing me. They're constantly um, trying to make sure that I'm sharpening my skills, uh, so that I can do, so that I can be an effective messenger, sure. uh, you know, of everything that, that we're trying to put out. So just being open and curious, I think is, is the best thing there and how it kind of applies in my life.
0: I agree. Um, the second one is uh, education. Yeah,
1: so education, I mean, it's a, it's a you know, I won't sit here and say it's the only way that somebody can make it. You know, there are several people I know um, that that maybe, you know, didn't didn't go to get a formal education, um, you know, and are still doing successful, but they got some kind of education, you know, whether they they went into the workforce immediately, whether they started their own business right out of high school, um, they were still getting some form of education. Um, And that's really the bedrock, you know. I tell people all the time. It's you mentioned the daily deposits. For me, it's you know, if you you have a tool belt. Everybody has a tool belt, and all knowledge and education is is going to put more tools in your tool belt. You know, if I told you, hey, go outside and and make a make a make a shed, you know, and I'll get you the wood, but I'm going to give you a handsaw and hammer and some nails. Yeah, you could probably do it. But if I told you I'm going to give you a you know, a nail gun and you know an electric saw. It's gonna, it's gonna make, it's gonna make the process a little bit easier. And that's all education and knowledge
0: really is, um, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm gonna um, second you a little bit. I think that what you were trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that yeah, people that's you know highly educated might not make it. You know, first someone that doesn't. But the person, the people that doesn't have the education, what they have is information, right? Yes. And that's where that's what the people are getting right now is great information because you can have all education, you can have all the money, but if you're not heavily informed. It's a no go. So yep. right now, that's what we're doing is informing people. So I just wanted to second you with that. Lastly, is um, is nutrition right? What I see, I hate to go to to um. Uh, traveled uh, AAU games or traveled games and I see kids walking around with Skittles and McDonald's and they're not taking care of their body properly. And I think, you know, if you want your body to perform at the optimum, you know, level, nutrition has got to be, you know, got to be thought of. What's your What's your take on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, how you feel is so important. Like, you know, and nutrition is going to be big there. So, you know, myself, You know i'm not gonna sit here and lie and say i wasn't you know like what you just described you know there was a time where i like candy and mcdonald's but i think as you get as you get a little more information there you go um you start to understand what that can do to you and how maybe it could be hampering or you know your success a little bit so um and nutrition for me just doesn't stop with you know what you're putting in your body it's also a big one is going to be your sleep habits
0: mm.
1: Mm. that's huge man making sure that you are getting you know seven to eight hours of sleep you know a night making sure you're waking up um feeling rested you know at a at a at a decent time you know not 10 a.m you know probably a little bit earlier than that For sure uh, but making sure that you're you're rested and then you're up you're able to attack the day, accomplish something um, early in the morning before you before you have to uh, set out onto the world. I think that's really important. It's something that that as I've gotten older has become really a really a priority of mine. For
0: sure, for sure. Well, B man, that's that really concludes our our first our first segment. Um, I think this is a I'm looking forward to the you know our. Other conversations where we talk about you know athletes and their resources while they're currently in school, and you know what what that looks like when they finish school and their career, and also mm-hmm. we're gonna to touch base on you know travel ball and reg- rules and regulations when it comes to that. So excited about the opportunity, man, just to feed the the audience uh, great information. And I, and I appreciate you for your time and the wealth of knowledge as well.
1: Absolutely, brother, man. This was this was awesome.
0: This was awesome, man. I, I look forward to it for sure. All right, man, so we, uh, till we meet again, you have a good one. And have a great weekend, too. You too, sir. Peace. Peace. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Uh, Barrington Huntley from the NCAA Eligibility Center talking to us about the importance of um, the prerequisites, things you need to do in order to become a student athlete. Um, we will be having a series of different podcasts in the next couple of months. Um, I lost also, also uh, doing the Southeastern um, student athlete informational, right? A panel of uh, professionals, um, agents, uh, former collegiate or current collegiate coaches, uh, former players, uh, businessmen, um, the whole nine. Given a, a wide range or perspective of, of uh, how to become a student athlete, things you to do um, while you're in college, and then the afterlife. Um, if you have any uh, coaches or former players that want to get involved in the panel, um, please give us a shout. Our website is uh, uh, um Also, um, in how to be a student athlete, to get more information, um, go to the NCAA Eligibility Center uh, website and check that out. All right. Hey, look, it's great information. Um, thanks for engaging. Uh, thanks for following. And look forward to our uh, future podcasts uh, coming soon. We'll be right back.
3: What Jamel is doing with today foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know, as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to Trained train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on, to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermell is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it, and some of the businesses involved as well, to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interests of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jamel is doing. And hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people.
0: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.